Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. party where you are as well because I believe the sound of his presence is the sound of rejoicing it's the sound of victory it's the sound of celebration and I just want to encourage you this morning wherever you're connecting from to come into his presence to lean in to what's happening I want you to think about how you felt in March when you couldn't come to the place and you weren't allowed and how you got up and you got ready and you got prepared for his presence. Let's not grow lazy in it. Let's not grow leaned back. Let's not stay sitting in our beds, barely logging on. I know if some of you had to send us a photo right now, you would not be ready for public consumption. What I'm saying is get your heart engaged because I believe God has something he is speaking to us today. Amen, church? Amen. Why don't you be seated if you're here? I'm so glad to be in the, pa- in the house today. And I believe God has somewhere he wants to take us. He's been speaking to me about this for uh, a couple weeks now. And so I've just been waiting kind of to, to come and bring it to us. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your incredible presence. We thank you that you're with us. We thank you that you're close to us and that you speak to us, God. And today I just ask you to speak through these words. I ask them to be your words, your words that have the power to change hearts and minds and lives to transform us, Jesus, from the inside out. Let us be different because we came today. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Can you tell somebody I'm on a prepared path? I believe that God has a path that he has prepared for you and that he's going to take us on a journey this morning about a prepared path. You know, it matters what kind of a path you find yourself on, and it matters what kind of a path you journey on along the way. There are paths that are good to be on, and there are paths that will get you a little bit distracted on the way. Thank you, David. That's so great for today. Uh, You know, a while back, Tracy and I were on a run. A couple years ago, we were meeting early in the morning. Tracy, if you don't know, is our director of engagement here. If you're looking to get involved, she can help you get connected. Oh, come on. There was some, like, juice behind that. Yes. If you want to get involved, she's going to help you with it. But she also is sometimes my running buddy. And a couple of years ago, we were meeting really early in the morning to do these runs, and we were so excited. So we got up early. We were like there before the parks open. Um, We may have snuck into the park before they opened the gates, because when you have tiny people, you have to get up early in the morning if you're going to get your runs in. And so we set out on our run, and we're so excited, and we're running, and we're going for it, and we've got all of our stuff and our time, and we're checking the things along our way, and we got ourselves totally lost in the park. (laughs) 
We thought that we were heading back in the direction that we were intended to come to, and all of a sudden we came to the opening, and we were like, oh, good, there's the opening. We're right at about our three miles. Excellent. And when we came out of the opening, the park is situated between two main roads, and we thought we were heading back to one road, and we came back, and we were on the other road. We were on the exact opposite side of the park that we were intended to come out on which also meant we had to turn around and run all the way back through the park to where our cars were parked. Who knows that it matters what path you're on. It matters what path you are being directed on. It matters who's leading your path. It matters whether or not you know that you are in the place and the path that God has prepared for you. Psalms 23 says that he guides me in proper paths for the sake of his good name. He guides me in proper paths. He doesn't guide me in paths that get me lost. He doesn't get me path, guide me in paths that are wandering. He doesn't guide me in aimless paths. He doesn't guide me in paths that lead me to the wrong side of the park and require me to go back and retrace all of my steps again. He guides me in proper paths. But have you ever been walking with God for a while, walking with Jesus and looking at the path that he's leading you on, looking at the path that he's guiding you on, and you found yourself wondering, are we still on the right path, Jesus? Are we still on a good and proper path? Is this still the path that you have for me? Have you ever found yourself questioning his sense of direction in the midst of your walking with God? You know, like when you're driving in a car with somebody and you look over at them and you go, are we lost? And they're like, no, we're good still. But you're looking at their face and you're like, you don't know where we are, do you? We're lost, you don't know where we are. Have you ever found yourself walking with God and looking back over to the side and going, are we lost? I'm, okay, I know you don't question God like that, but I'm saying for me, I've been on some paths where I've looked and gone, okay, I know we're still here together, but Jesus, did you get us lost? because this path doesn't look like what I thought that this path was gonna look like. Where I'm standing right now does not look like the place that I thought you were guiding me into. I thought you were guiding me into still, calm waters. I thought you were guiding me into green, fervent pastures. I thought you were guiding me into places of abundance. I thought you were guiding me into places of clarity, but I'm looking around and I just wanted to, if we're lost, that's okay, but I just want you to let me know that we got lost and we need to find our way out. Because when I'm looking around right now, Jesus, it feels like we're out out here and we're lost in the middle of something that we never should have been getting ourselves into. I just want to know if you've ever been on a path with God where you felt like you were unsure of the place that he had brought you to. I want to let you know a secret today. He might have wandered you out there on purpose. He might have been preparing a path for you because he's more concerned about preparing your development than he is about just getting you to your destination. He has a prepared path for you, a prepared place that he is walking you into. Why don't you turn with me to Exodus 13? Because I think the children of Israel learned a little bit of something about feeling like maybe God got them out there and got them lost when in fact he had a prepared place for them. 
Exodus 13, 17 through 18 says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Now that's interesting. They were equipped for battle, but he led them away from where the battle was. Now, what's going on here? What's going on is that the children of Israel have been in slavery for generations. Generations on generations of the the children of Israel have been in Egyptian slavery. They have been captive, and they have been serving the Egyptians. And then God raised up this boy Moses, and his mother, Jochebed, sent him down the river, and she was adopted by the princess of the land because Jochebed had something in her that said, even though the the culture that I'm in, even though the law of the area that I'm in says that this child is doomed to death, there was something in her that said, I have a creative solution for what's going on right now. There was something in her that said, I don't just have to bend to everything I'm seeing externally. I see that what is happening is in, in opposition to what God has placed on the inside of me, and God began to give her a creative solution to seeing most come to adulthood and come to life. And perhaps the people of God need a fresh revelation like Jochebed, that just because you hear something in the news and just because you see something in your laws and just because the culture seems like it's tilting in a certain way doesn't mean that everything is doomed. Perhaps it means that it's time for the people of God to get some creative solutions about what is getting ready to happen. Perhaps instead of complaining so much about what is happening, perhaps about instead of complaining and criticizing government so much, we should stop looking to political figures to be our answers and our solutions, and the people of God should get in the place that he has called us to and come up with some creative solutions. I pray over your life that there is a Jacobed anointing coming over you that says, I don't have to live this way just because it's what the environment around me says, I believe that God called this child to live, and so I have an answer and a solution for it. And she put him in a basket, and she sent him down the river, and Moses was adopted by the princess and raised in Pharaoh's palace. And after he was raised in Pharaoh's palace, he began to see who he was, but because he wasn't yet ready for the thing that God had had planned and positioned him for, he struck out out of his own strength instead of God's strength, and he murdered someone, which caused him to have to flee. And then finally, after that season, he returned. And that's where the plagues that you've probably heard about come from. And finally, Pharaoh got fed up, and he said, fine, just go. Send the children of Israel away from me. It's been too much turmoil just go and God and they sent away and they went marching out of Egypt after generation and generation and they are finally on their way to possess the land that some 400 years earlier had been promised to Abraham to go and possess the land of their promise and if it was me and we were finally about to possess the land of our promise I would be like what is the most direct route there We have been waiting long enough. 
What is the straight, quick, fast, how do we get from here to our promised land? But instead, it says that God took them the long way around. He took them the long way around on a prepared path because God knew something about the children of Israel that they didn't yet know about themselves. Because yes, that they were his chosen people, and yes, they had a promise, and yes, they were excited, and yes, they had a vision, and yes, they were even equipped, but they weren't yet prepared. They were not yet prepared to possess the place of their promise that God had for them. They found themselves in a place where they were equipped for it, but they weren't prepared for it. If you look back on that verse, it says that they were equipped for battle. They had everything that they needed. God had sent them out with shields and with bows and arrows and with spears. He had sent them out with all of the things that they needed for the battle, but they weren't yet prepared to possess the land. Oh, it's a sad thing to be equipped, but to not be prepared. Equipping has to do with all of our external things, all of the things that we need to possess it. They had everything that they needed on the outside. They were covered in riches and they were filled up with armor, but on the inside, they hadn't yet been prepared. And we're not so unlike the children of Israel. We like to plan fancy weddings and buy new jewelry and get a great new house. Oh, we're equipped to be married, but are we prepared? Have we wasted our season of singleness and now we come to the altar and it looks like we're equipped for this, but we're not prepared for what we're getting ready to step into? I know that you've been maxing out your retirement fund for decades and you've got a nice little spot in a warm climate and you've downsized from the SUV into a sleek new something. You look equipped for your retirement phase and you even feel ready and excited, but on the inside, you're not prepared for what the change of pace is gonna mean for you. You're not prepared internally for the new place that God is walking you into. Perhaps the reason it feels like you're not on the fastest route, but on a more long-term route around is because God is trying to prepare you for the place that he is walking you into. Where in your life are you equipped, but you're not prepared? On the outside, it looks like you're ready. Your friends are saying to you, come on, let's just go ahead and do this because you're equipped, but you're not prepared. God wants to get you into a place where you are prepared. Because what the children of Israel were about to discover about themselves was what God already knew about them. They were about to learn that they still had retreating on the inside of them that when the battle came to them, they weren't prepared to press against it. They weren't prepared to fight, though they were equipped on the inside, they still had a retreat on the inside of them. Many of you are familiar with the story, the children of Israel get out here, and as they're out here waiting, walking, journeying with God, it says that Pharaoh changed his mind and he sent his army after them to say, you know what, actually I I want all of the children of Israel to come back. 
Exodus 14, 10 through 11 shows us part of it. It says, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and then they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us to bring us out of Egypt? Though the children of Israel were more numerous than the Egyptians, and though they were equipped with everything they needed for battle, they were not prepared because in their hearts they started looking back to Egypt. In their hearts, when the the tension came against them and the pressure came against them, they started looking back to their place of bondage. If you read even further in it, they start saying things to Moses like, we didn't even ask you to free us and bring us out here, which is ridiculous because when you look back in the story, there is no account of them saying, Moses, just leave us alone. They were like, yeah, why don't you go talk to Pharaoh for us? They were all like, yeah, do that. Do that, Moses. But now that they're out here and they're under the pressure, they are looking back towards Egypt, looking back to their place of bondage. And you know, in some ways, I want to criticize them, but in some ways, it's pretty understandable. For generations, they have been under the hand of slavery. They have been under the hard taskmaster, under the evil of one person overpowering themselves under another person. And it makes sense to me if you think about their context that for generations, they have not been in the place of equipping. They have been ill-equipped and ill-prepared. And when you are ill-equipped and ill-prepared and you have someone coming at you with a whip, you learn in yourself that you you know what, the best thing for me to do is just to back up every time I feel that pressure coming. The best thing for me to do is just to retreat in this moment. And this hadn't been going on for 10 years. It had been going on for generations and generations. It had been passed through their bloodlines. It had been passed through their family history. It was trauma down deep in their bones that was being passed down from ancestor to ancestor. So it makes sense to me that when you come to a place of sorrow, you run after addiction instead of pressing through that because for generation on generation, what has been passed down through your family is that sorrow is a place to be avoided and you can numb it if you turn to some kind of a pill and you can numb it if you turn to some kind of a drink. I understand why you have gotten into the place of bondage you have gotten into. What I want you to know is that God wants you to be totally free from that thing. He didn't bring you out of Egypt just to bring you to a place. He didn't bring you out of Egypt just to equip you. Oh, I'm so proud of you that you're sober now. And I'm so proud of you that you've learned some tools that help you hold on to that thing. But God doesn't just want to equip you for this moment right here and right now. He wants to transform Form you and to prepare you so that for generations you can possess the place of freedom. You can possess a place of being free, free indeed, that your children and your children's children will no longer say what's been passed down in my bloodline is a need to run after something that gives me comfort, but they will say what's been passed down in my bloodline is a relationship with the comforter. The place where I run in sorrow is to his name. The place where I run in pain and in hurt is the name of the Lord. Oh, it's a strong tower and the righteous run into it and find safety. And when you begin to come into his place of preparation, 
you find that you're not just equipped, but that he is changing the story of our legacy. He wants to build in you a confidence. He wants to build in you a strong and a stable place. He wants to build in you something that says, when I look forward, I don't have to look back toward my bondage anymore, but I see his promise, and I feel equipped for this journey, and I feel prepared for this journey. We build our confidence when we stack victory on victory on victory. He's taking you on a long path because you're not yet prepared to possess the place of your promise and he needs to take you on a journey where you can see, I see a victory here and I see a victory there and every time I look at it, I build some confidence. He needs to walk you through a Red Sea that's been split on either side so you can get to the other side of it and stack up some stones and say, that is a memorial place and I have some confidence now that God is walking with me. God is walking them in a place to build them some confidence and as he's walking with them he showed them proof of his provision God wanted to prove to them that they don't have to look to anything external for their provision but that they could look to God alone if you go back and you read the entire story, it says that these people who were slaves, who were captive in bondage, came out of Egypt not just scattering out like, like children in the night, but they came out with riches, with cattle, with all that they would need for the battle ahead of them. God began to layer on them everything that they needed, and he was speaking to them and letting them know, I want you to know that when you need something, you come to me. When you need something, it's found in him. When you need something, he has already provided for it. He was taking them on a journey so that he could give them proof of his provision. Otherwise, when they got to the land, they might think that it was the land that caused them to flourish. They might think that it was the land that caused them to be abundant. They might think that it was the business that caused them to multiply. But instead, by the time they got there, they knew that the proof of their provision came from God. God alone and he wanted to give them proof of his power that he is God almighty God all powerful creator of the heavens and the earth in the minds of these people you have to put yourself in the middle of the story what must it have been like for them Pharaoh and his army in the minds of these newly freed slaves was the most powerful being they had ever known they had suffered at his hands and when he said build here they built here and when he said jump they started jumping and asked is this high enough Pharaoh had the picture and the place of the all-powerful in their minds. And God said, before I can take you to your place of promise, I have to dislodge that thing on the inside of you that says any other thing holds the place of power in your life besides me. He is God Almighty. See, in Egyptian belief and culture, Pharaoh was a God. 
The people of Egypt believed that Pharaoh was God incarnate. They thought that he was God there living and ruling in their place. And, and I just have to wonder and have to think that if the children of Israel, after being in slavery for generation on generation, didn't let some of that culture begin to soak into their own belief, and if they didn't start to see Pharaoh a little bit like God as well, if they didn't start to believe that Pharaoh was kind of God as well as the culture that they were in started seeping into their own life. And, and maybe that sounds silly. Maybe you don't ever let your culture seep into your belief and let your culture tell you about who God is instead of letting God tell you about who your culture is. Maybe that's not your current situation, but maybe if, if you didn't, you would be prepared for the wealth that God wants to give you instead of struggling with it and seeing it as the all-powerful thing in your life that you're running after, that you're asking if this is the way that I should go, that you're asking it, can I do this or can I go there, the thing that you have tied yourself to, perhaps you would be ready to rule over that thing and God could trust you with everything that he wants to trust you with if you saw it in its proper place. I'm not sure, I was just wondering if your culture ever informs your belief about God more than your belief about God informs your culture. But the other thing he wanted them to know about was the proof of his presence. That he had given them the thing above all things, he had given them the proof of his presence. The verse that we started with says that they looked up, the one in Exodus 13 says they looked up, uh, sorry, 14, and that they saw Pharaoh and his armies coming after them, and fear got in their hearts. But I wonder why they didn't just keep looking up because God had given them a cloud above them as proof of his presence. And if they would have just looked up and remembered that there was proof of his presence standing above them, they would have had no reason to fear. Anytime you look and you can see that I'm still under the cloud, it's proof that you're still in the place that he's called you to, that you have no reason to fear as long as you are in the place of his presence, but instead they started looking at their opposition. They started looking towards the enemy and they allowed fear to come into their heart and that fear triggered inside of them a retreating mentality that had got on the inside of them. And the thing about retreating is not just that it sends you back to bondage, it's that it pulls you out from underneath the cloud. The enemy wanted to dislodge them from their place of freedom and from their place of his presence. They had found themselves standing under the cloud of his glory but when they saw Pharaoh coming at them they wanted to run out of his presence back to the place of familiarity and instead they could have just stood in the place that he had for them and looked up and said we're still under the cloud his presence is still with us his presence is still guiding me and as long as I'm in the place of his presence then I must be in the prepared path that he has for me and if I'm in the 
prepared path that he has for me, victory must be in front of me. When you retreat, you are robbing God of the opportunity to demonstrate a victory in front of you. The reason your confidence has been so shattered is because you keep retreating from every battle that he's walking into. He's trying to walk you into places of confidence because confidence is built on small victory after small victory and you keep retreating from the place of the battle but just look up. Do you see the cloud? If you still see the cloud, stand your ground. Do not move from where the cloud is. Do not move when you feel his presence. Stay in the place of his presence and watch how God demonstrates his provision for you and demonstrates his power for you because he is preparing you. Though you're equipped, he needs to prepare you for the place he is walking you into. He wants to walk you into a place of such confidence, such assuredness, such stability that says, I can't be shaken and I can't be rocked and I can't be running back. He wants to walk you into this place. What did the beginning of Psalm 23 say? For his name's sake. For the goodness of his name, for the glory of his name, he is going to walk you into a place of such confidence. Oh, and I'm so glad that it's not confidence that's built on me, that it's not confidence that's built on you, that it's not confidence that's built on all of the equipping things that I can reach after and that I can grab onto, but it's confidence that's found in him. Confidence that says, I know that he has given me proof of his provision. I know that he has given me proof of his power. And I know that he has given me proof of his presence. People of God, we cannot throw away our confidence. Hebrews 10.35 says, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. He is establishing a confidence in you in this season. He is walking you into a place of confidence. And the enemy wants to steal your confidence from you in such an incredible way because he knows if you can stand in the place of confidence that says it's not my strength and it's not my might and it's not my skill and it's not my intellect. It's the place of his presence. I find confidence when I stand in his presence. Presidents, oh, it's easy to steal your confidence if you think that it's built on you. And trust me, the enemy is seeking after it. There is opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to come after your confidence. I know the enemy tries to attack my confidence every week, at least once a week. I'm trying to decide if I want to tell you guys a story or not. Yep, yeah, okay, so... A few weeks ago, I had an all-out assault on my confidence. So I was on this phone call, right? I was on this phone call with someone, and let me just say, they were not pleased with me, okay? That's how the, con the conversation was going. A few of the things that um, was, one was that I don't know what I'm doing at all. They referred to me as kid multiple times in the conversation. And then, as if those things were not enough, they went ahead, 
for the jugular of my confidence and let me know what I might not already know, which is that I am a wife and a mother and I should be spending more of my time and energy in those directions rather than leading this church, right? Have you ever been in a conversation where you felt like somebody just gave the other person like a playbook of all your insecurities twitches and you're like, shh, 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 and your soul is just lighting up like the deck on the starship, right? I was like, oh, Lord Jesus. Have you left anything? Those are, you're hitting all of them. I had to take a minute and I had to breathe. And I had to remember that my confidence does not come from what you believe about me. And my confidence does not come from my own skill set. And I felt an anointing like David talking to Michael, come on me, when he said, you know what? It wasn't you that placed me here. It wasn't anybody else that placed me here. It was God that placed me in this place. And I want you to know that when you start walking through this week, the enemy wants to come and he wants to assault your confidence. And there might be situations that start triggering all of the things in your soul. And it's like somebody is flipping all of your little insecurity switches, but I want you to remember that your confidence does not come from anything external. You are equipped for this moment, but he is preparing you for this place as well. Your confidence is in him. Look up. As long as there's still a cloud, as long as you're still in his presence, you can find strength in the king of glory. You can find strength in his hand and in his might. I will find my confidence in God. I will find my confidence in Christ alone. Because I know that he is the source of our strength. I want to read Psalm 121 to you today, and I want to encourage us to put it somewhere where we just meditate on it all week long. When you feel that thing coming at you that tries to tackle your confidence, I want you to come back to this and remember who God is. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Come on, say, look up. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Oh, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil and he will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever evermore. What a great God that we serve. What an awesome God that we serve. What a powerful God that we serve. You will stand confident as he walks you in a path that he's preparing for you. Not because of your skill, not because of your strength, not because you're so mighty. Yes, he has equipped you with incredible skills and talents and gifts, but your confidence will be found in that we serve an awesome, mighty God. He has provided, he is powerful, and you are found in his presence. Amen, church? Amen. God, I just speak over your people that you are giving us great confidence this week, that you are walking us into a place where we see how great and mighty and strong and powerful you are. 
and every lie of the enemy, every assault on confidence, we speak silence to it right now. And we say, let the name of our God be highly exalted, be lifted up and be magnified. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.